Blog Talk Radio. Normal. I was. That's the funny thing. Yeah, I, 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 for like 
the longest time before the, the that series even started, I was like, oh, I just want the Blackhawks to win. It would just be way better. And now that the the entire round has progressed and all of the shit has happened, I'm just like, damn, I just want the Ducks to win because fuck the Blackhawks. I can't stand this team. It's just it's, I I can't even pretend to like them. It's easier to pretend to like the Ducks. I, you know, if I didn't live here, I'd probably have no opinion of the Blackhawks whatsoever because I've, I've insulated myself against most of the meatheads, like, on Twitter. So only the right. Blackhawks fans that I follow are, are the good ones. But, I mean, in you know, just in general life, I can't get away from them because I interact with them through work and stuff like that. So when, when Tave scored, um, I made the mistake but when he scored the second one, I made the mistake of looking at Facebook and how clutch he is, <laughs> and this and that. I'm like, you know who scored a goal like that one time in an even clutchier situation? Dan Cleary. Dan Cleary <laughs> scored a goal like that in a game seven as the game winner. And uh, so Jonathan Taves equals Dan Cleary for clutchiness. Actually, Dan Cleary is more clutch. So, but yeah. I didn't yeah. it out online because. I mean, that's a stupid thing to say, of course. I mean, that's I don't believe that for a second, but I yeah. thought it, and it made me feel better. And then NIM won, and then I felt much better. Like, huh, way to waste it. You should have done that. Dan Cleary is a great litmus test for uh, Chicago hockey fans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know we've, we don't really like to do the, uh, you know, oh, you know, you can't name the, the last three captains of Forteves. You can't be a true hockey fan. But if a Chicago fan doesn't fucking hate Dan Cleary, um, yeah, that's a bandwagon fan. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the one good thing Dan Cleary has done in his career. That's that's probably it right there. Uh, And for obvious reasons. But anyway, Joe, how about you, buddy? How you feeling? Uh, I've kind of been zombie watching the rest of the playoffs just because. Oh yeah, for sure. I can't take my eyes off hockey, and yeah. all the fun just all the fun just seemed to go out of it when Anaheim eliminated Calgary. When the Red Wings are gone, it's like okay, Calgary's fun. Hoodler's there, and they just get soundly ruined by the Ducks. Yeah, well, I mean that was pretty much. I mean well, they made I, it further than what they were supposed to make. Like you know. They probably, I mean, Vancouver, I don't know if they're necessarily a better team. They're just, I think they were a much deeper team than what Calgary is. Um, But Calgary just had that top line that was just soaring and uh, whatever. But, yeah, it was pretty much to be expected that Calgary was not going to make it out of the second round. And if they did, they would have gotten just blasted. By, I mean, I'm sure Chicago fans would have loved that, but whatever. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been doing the same thing, kind of just zombie watching. Definitely, kind of watching with the corner of my eye, not really paying attention to as much as I usually would, um, just because I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired of the uh, I don't know, so tired of not watching my team pass the first round, I guess. <laughs> um, but anyways. Um, Let's uh let's just get in. Let's get into what we got going here. Um so we've obviously, you know, some of us have recovered, some of us hasn't haven't. Um but the thing is, is that uh I mean it, it, 
as it stands right now, I still think Detroit is one of the teams who have given Tampa the biggest scare. Uh, you know, just the way. I mean, obviously, you know, Game One was a it was a was a was was a great win, but it was not the way you want to win. Anyways, I don't. I'm not going to go through each game, but um, I mean, is there a sense of pride with that? Like, as a Red Wings fan, does it even matter at this point? Because if you ask me, sure, I feel great that we gave one of the, you know, the best teams, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference, a, a good stare. Yeah, that, that's great and all, but it doesn't matter. You know, there, I don't have any serious pride in it. I'm not going to go around the Internet, you know, waving a flag saying, ha-ha, fuck you, Tampa, we, we gave you a good scare, you know. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, and, you know. Um, what matters in the end is winning, and the Red Wings couldn't do that. So there is no pride. I am a prideless bastard, and uh, here I am now asking you guys how you feel about it. Um, I mean, it's – after seeing what Tampa did to Montreal, I mean, it was kind of frustrating because – you know, I just thought if if Detroit could have just gotten, honestly, if they had scored one goal in the first two periods of Game Seven, mm. I think they would have won, because they were clearly the better team up until Coburn scored, and then you know Tampa just got they got life after that. I have I have no doubts in my mind they would have beaten Montreal, and they'd be playing uh-huh. against New York. I don't know that they would have beaten New York. I mean, New York's a, a good team, but. Uh, yeah. You know, seeing what um, seeing what Tampa's doing to New York and what they did to Montreal, it made me feel, I guess, decent about how Detroit played against them. Because, I mean, Detroit shut them down really well. Uh, they just, um, you know, it's kind of the same old thing where they just couldn't, uh, they couldn't overcome the mistakes that they made because they're not good enough. They're not talented enough to do that yet. Um so you know, it's um, I think it's uh, it's positive on a go forward basis. It's frustrating because they lost in the first round again. But you know, with everything that's happened since then, I, like, I, and we'll get into more of the reasons why. But I mean, I'm looking forward to next year already. That's not normal for me after a first round exit. There's just something about yeah. this. You know, the way they played. I mean, everybody thought Tampa was just going to roll Detroit like like no problem. Um, really yeah, I mean it was you know Tampa and four, Tampa and five. I think that was the one series that everybody was predicting that not only was Tampa going to win, but they were going to win very handily. And Detroit, um, I mean, they went toe to toe with them throughout the whole series. So you know, it's I'd still prefer to be watching them play now. I don't think they're in the class of the of any of the final four teams, but they could have they could have been there. Which is funny because I think that the Rangers play a product of hockey that is absolutely boring in most games. Like tonight was obviously a little bit different. You know, they put up seven goals or whatever. Um, did they score seven? Yeah, they got an empty netter. Um, so, you know, they put up seven goals and that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, they, they scored a touchdown on them. So uh, against uh, a really, really good Tampa team, um, albeit their goaltender is, even though everybody doesn't want to, agree with me outside of the Red Wings, Red Wings and Montreal fan base, uh, a goalie who is completely questionable and pedestrian in, in, in many ways. Um, uh, but, yeah, I don't – yeah, you know my opinion on this. 
you know, I feel good that they did that, but at the end, you just want to be playing at in late May, early June. So, what about the rest of you? JJ, Joe, the Triple J, what do we got? You guys pretty much said what I'm feeling. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The, the series is just really strange to watch because it's like you're, I was happy that we were winning games and we took series leads. And yeah, game four was frustrating, but the idea that Luke was winning going down with an injury was the reason we probably the reason we did not win that series. Win go up two games to one, and then have three chances again to win the series, which you know, didn't go so well last season. But you know, have another kick if you can. But just weird to think about how that series progressed and especially now that we're going to have a new coach and that who knows what's going to happen with some of the with some of the roster and the guys that are going to be how yeah. those guys are going to be deployed it's just weird to think about yeah i mean we'll definitely get more into that as uh as the uh episode rolls along um that's for sure because you know obviously that's a big deal but uh uh jj um i don't know you feel any pride, or are you just sitting over there, just uh, doing? Yeah, it's it's more of a a bitter resentment than than pride. Um, right. Because watching the way the rest of this, the series have gone on, I don't think that the the Red Wings would have beaten the Rangers in the conference finals. But um, I would like to have seen if they could have. And. They didn't. And right. They, there's nothing to be taken away of the, you know, oh, yeah, well, we almost beat you, sucker. You know, I, I almost took you out. Well, that that didn't mean anything. But fortunately, right. there aren't really enough uh, there aren't really enough Tampa fans that I have to deal with that. So, oh, well. I mean, it is it is what it is. Series is over. Mm-hmm. The Red Wings were not good enough. Uh, they have not been good enough in in a few years, and uh, and things have to change. So, um, I'm not down on the team. I think that uh, mm-hmm. that the changes that that we'll get into pretty quick um, are are a good thing. But yeah, it, it gives me hope. Just just not pride. Right. Yeah, I think uh, this is a perfect transition into the next topic that we're going to cover. Um, you see, any other year, uh, like, let's say, okay, so obviously Mike Babcock is gone after 10 years. Okay. Uh, one of the best coaches in hockey, one of the best minds in hockey today, is moving on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, think what you will. Uh, he wants a new challenge, blah, 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 all of that stuff support him and all that. Uh, really thankful for him for what he did for us over the last 10 years. But at the end of the day, um, to put it in a very, um, I don't know, uh, I just want to say maybe not so, I don't know, whatever. Let me just go ahead and get right to it. He can go fuck himself. Anyway, so <laughs> if we were if we were going into next year with Mike Babcock at the helm again, would we feel any different right now than how we we do with without him in 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 the future plan? And my knee jerk reaction is, I would feel way different than how I feel right now. I would feel probably like, all right, well, we've got 
we've got the same system intact, which is whatever. Um, we've got the same, you know, uh, tactic of deployment, which is questionable. Um, so, yeah, I think if Babcock was staying here, it would be, you know, obviously a good thing. But at the same time, there would be that definite, okay, how many years has it been since we've actually contended and actually, you know, made a push? Um, whereas now, it's like next year, they could certainly fizzle out and not even make a fucking playoff. But I'll worry about that when it happens. Right now, what I'm seeing is there's a whole humongous change that Red Wings fans, I don't even think, are comprehending right now that is going to happen. Um, and uh, whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether it's, you know, one of those things that just takes time, which I think it's going to be that. Uh, certainly, whoever ends up taking the co- uh, the coaching position at <clears throat> is it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a progress. It's not going to be like a, you know, jump in and, hey, we're contenders again. No, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be done with the core of this team, um, largely starting to maybe shift the uh, the overall dependency on the, the the current core of players. You know, your your Nicholas Cromwell, your Henry Zetterberg, your Pavel Basic, these guys are getting older, obviously, and they can't be leaned on like they used to. Um, and that was very obvious in the first round of this pl- of uh, of the playoffs this year. Um, so, uh, big transition here. Um, Babcock leaving. Are we mad? Are we happy? Do we not give a shit? I mean, how do we feel about it? Personally, I'm not mad. Uh, I'm definitely happier than most emotions. Um, but then at the same time, I don't really give a shit because ultimately at the end of the day, he went to take on a new challenge in the Maple Leafs, which is definitely going to be a challenge because that team is a complete mess no matter what. I mean, you can you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a fucking pig at the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, how do, how do you, how do you guys feel about it? How do you feel about, uh, the best coach in hockey leaving one of the best organizations in hockey after a decade? Honestly, it's, uh, I couldn't be happier with the way it happened there. I mean, there was, I, I, said before you know i was i was ready for the change to happen uh, mike babcock very well could be the best coach in hockey uh we may not ever know objectively whether or not that's true um i'm extremely comfortable saying that he's at least one of the best um yeah but there's the kind of the right coach wrong fit and i i think that any more yeah. like you like you alluded to uh, i'm I'm not as hopeful on the team if if Babcock stays, and it's it's not a knock against him, but I mean his processes were good. He got we can say he got the best out of the team. We I I actually don't know that, um, and right now I'm right. more interested in knowing what's going to happen going forward. If this was not a good enough team, and Mike Babcock was pushing a not a good enough team to the very best that they could possibly be which was a first-round exit, then I'm okay with Mike Babcock being gone and a potentially inferior coach, and I don't know if Blashill is going to be inferior, but a different coach coming in and giving us a little bit more clarity on, okay, if this roster needs an overhaul, 
um, Mike Babcock isn't the guy who's going to give us that lesson because he's going to get he's going to squeeze the very best out of them instead of making them a better team, which they need to be. Um, the way he left was was just about perfect. I was worried about him going to Edmonton with uh, with Connor McDavid because I think that they're pretty close to being able to compete. I was worried about him going to Buffalo where they were only a couple years from competing. Uh, instead, eight years to Toronto where that is probably the one team in the league that is in most need of complete cultural overhaul. Um, and he's jumping in on the ground floor where he's, he's they have to take a few steps back before they can take a step forward. And he left for a fuckload of money. Um, which yeah. I'm okay with. I mean, it's not my money anyway, but I'm okay with the Red Wings not offering $50 million, and I'm okay with the Red Wings not offering eight years. I would have taken Babcock back for, for two years, um, as long as it yeah. didn't involve losing Blashill. But when he's given that opportunity, just go and uh, I'll I'll be happy for you. Um, just get the fuck out of here. Uh, now that you're the Leafs coach, go get fucking hell. I mean, I, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for all the time, but um, yeah, I, I hope you lose all your games. But it honestly couldn't have worked better. And the, the fact that he played Buffalo too, the fact the Buffalo fans are way more, they're every bit as upset as Toronto fans wish Red Wings fans were about this. Um, just adds that extra layer of, of s- s- tasty tears to, to this whole situation that I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the thing with, with it is, I agree with you guys. Uh, it was it was time for him to move on, and uh, it wasn't even the money or where he went. It was the term. It was the eight years that he got from Toronto. Because I know if Mike Babcock had signed an eight year extension with Detroit, I would have been I would have been mad. And that's just such a yeah, weird thing sure. to say about a, a coach of Babcock's um, uh, of his stature and his quality that you'd be upset that he wants to stay for another eight years, but he's already been here for ten. Uh, you know. I don't know about the message being stale or any of that stuff. You know, you hear the rumors about, you know, players don't like him. And I, I, you know what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not believe that because he seems like he's a really demanding guy. I'm sure there are players that don't like him, but um, ultimately at the end of the day, he was here longer than Bowman was, which is insane to think about. So it was, it was just time for him to move. The team has, I think they've, crested the that point of the transition where they're now into the new era and so it was time for the new voice to be the the kind of the lead of that era and Babcock I I think he was the he was there for the when we crested into this current era where the team was basically turned over to Datsuk and Zetterberg away from Eisenman and Shanahan he showed up right at the right time um Mm-hmm. You certainly hope that everything kind of comes together again, and that Blashill. We're all assuming that he's going to get the job. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, but that'll be the same thing. Whatever he does in Toronto, look, he's. It's. I think even he knows it's going to be years before Toronto even sniffs the playoffs again. Um, they're, they're just at the beginning of their rebuild. That's the one thing about Babcock too. Is, as far as I know, at least at the NHL level, he's never gone through full rebuild slash reload. Every team he's had, right. with Anaheim, he took over a team that 
you know, in his first year they made the finals, but let's be honest, he wrote Jaguar there. I mean, the, the team itself was good, but they also had Korea uh, that year. I mean, they weren't, they weren't a terrible team. They weren't a great team. They got as far as Jaguar took them. Um, the next year they missed the playoffs, and then he takes over a stacked Detroit team coming out of the lockout. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So um, can he lead a, like a, a ground-up rebuild in Toronto? Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't, his track record at the NHL level, doesn't, he doesn't have it, so you never know. But I, to me, it's like, the, it's like the backup goalie phenomenon, right? I mean, it's – or the prospect phenomenon. It's the, it's the, the potential that exists with Jeff Blaschel or whoever the new coach is, Jeff Blaschel. And what he could accomplish because he's new and it's a new voice and it's a new direction. It's potentially a new system. Maybe it's a tweaks to an existing system, but maybe he puts in some things that, you know, makes the team better. That's exciting. That's what gets everybody kind of going. I, I agree. If keeping Mike Babcock had resulted in losing Jeff Blaschel, I think I would have been more upset about that than anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you got to think like it, it, the Red Wings are in such a at such a point right now where it, it, the what happens right now matters a lot, but what happens in the future, I would argue, probably matters just as much, if not even more, because of the way they've kind of gone about things over the past decade um, with the retooling, not so much rebuilding but just kind of like the rebuild on the fly sort of uh, tactic, which um, I don't think is a bad idea. It's, uh, you know, it's not the, it, it, it's not the conventional way to getting your team back to being a contender um, in the eyes of many. But, um, you know, I think what happens now is a, it matters a lot, but what happens, what's, what happens now needs to absolutely 100% benefit the future because right now the team is not a contender. They're quite a ways off, and that's obvious. Nobody can argue that because that's the truth. But I think after the last two years, we've pretty much learned that the hard way, um, especially this year after, you know, going out and getting two players like Eric Cole and Mary Zidlitschke. Um, anyway, um, you just... If they were to go out and sign Mike Babcock to the same exact contract that he has in Toronto, I would absolutely have been like, oh, oh okay, that's a bit much because you have absolutely just lost, lost Jeff Blashill, and um, that's a problem, you know, because that's a guy who is, has his eyes set on the NHL, and, you know, he's going to be in the NHL, whether it's here or somewhere else. So, um Anyways, Joe, go ahead and say something. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? I actually, I'm not as uncomfortable with the idea of that Babcock potentially staying if he if he had. I think Holland handled this whole situation pretty masterfully. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there was, mm-hmm. He did a really good job. Yeah. I think there was this sort of decision tree where he laid out, okay, what happens if we keep Mike, Mike Babcock and then this is the plan that we're going to run with, which obviously involves Holland because 
part of the reason that we haven't been able to contend for a while is because of the roster makeup, especially on the blue line. And if he yeah. did sign Babcock, contracts would probably, I do think the contract would have been structured such a way that you can keep Jeff Wajel, you, you line it up so that whenever you're, whenever uh, Babcock is done as head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, then Bet Blaschel would have taken over at that point. And I think while Blaschel definitely does have his sights set on the NHL, I think it was a bit overblown with the potential risk of losing him. I don't think Holland was going to lose Blaschel. I think he would have kept yeah. definitely would have kept Babcock and he would have kept Blaschel as well. And then on the other branch yeah. of the we have what's transpiring now, which is Babcock is gone, and so in all likelihood, Blaschel is going to take the job as soon as Grand Rapids' season is over. And this is where a bunch of the optimism is coming in now, especially since Dan Lincoln is now in the fold. Right. Now, yeah, yeah I think really that uh, the way that he ran it so that Babcock wasn't like Ken Holland never seemed desperate during the entire thing. I think that is that is pretty key because he played it off. It, it got played off that Ken Holland was completely okay with letting Babcock walk because he recognized that it was time for a change. And we we talked that to death. I mean, the the fact that Ken that Mike Babcock is literally worth more money to Toronto than he is to Detroit. If he comes back to Detroit, it's it's status quo. There's not this like huge buzz of excitement. It's just like, oh well, these things stay the same. He goes to Toronto, and there is buzz there. And it's not exactly like Toronto can like possibly make more money, but yeah, they they actually can. So good for them. Whatever. Um, the fact right. that he recognized it, that he cultivated it, and that he got it done early in the middle of May is just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, Mike Babcock could have walked on June 30th, or after on July 1st, basically, and the Red Wings mm-hmm. could have gotten jack shit. He could have played it along. I, I, of course, I'm, I don't think Mike Babcock would have ever done this, but Ken Holland also had a play in this that we got our coach's decision super-duper quick, and we got it in a way that gets us an actual asset, which... Yeah, I think that that Joe hit the nail on the head. That that's the way Ken Holland played this was was masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, he no did a good question. job. He, yeah, he, he made it very clear that he didn't want to give Babcock more than four years or five years or whatever it is, um, and uh, that was perfect. Like, uh, you know, I've had my quarrels with 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 Holland, obviously, um, more often than not, but. So far, the way he has handled his team this year in the second half of the season and going into the postseason or going into the offseason, he's done a really good job. Um, he set the team up really well, um, and he's continuing to do it. So I'm just hoping that that's going to possibly be a growing trend of uh, just a, a new, I don't know, wiping the slate clean and just getting getting to it. So, uh with, with that being said, um, obviously since we're out of the West, we only see Chicago twice a year unless we play them in the Stanley Cup final. So we don't have that strong – we don't have a like a, a true rival in the East right now, and it's boring. Like I, I, I think like playing in the East right now is absolutely boring 
like after these two seasons. Um, do you guys think that this whole Babcock thing maybe will strike something up in uh, it, maybe reliving, re, you know, rekindling that old original six rivalry between the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs? Because I sure as hell hope so, because uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and I really hope that sort of what players start playing with. What? I think part of what makes this whole transition to the Eastern Conference a bit difficult from an entertainment perspective and a rivalry perspective is that we haven't played anyone in the playoffs. Like we have, we have the assumed rivalry with Pittsburgh from those two straight Cup finals, but that's kind of dying down a bit since we don't, we haven't seen them in the finals and we haven't seen them in the playoffs yet. Uh, there probably could have been something with Boston if they had made the playoffs this season, but we did and they didn't, and so there was no playoff playoff series to like further cement that rivalry after last season. I think maybe mm-hmm. there's some galvanizing incident that happens in the regular season to spark it, but unless the Maple Leafs make the playoffs in the next two years, it's probably going to be on hold for another half decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, the first game that they play is obviously going to be, you know, a circus, and the first game in Detroit, if they're not the same, um, you know, like if they, if the first time they play to the mixtures in Toronto, it'll be, well, you know, Mike Babcock's facing up against this former team, and then they'll do that all over again if, when, when they play in Detroit. But, um, yeah, Joseph's, I mean, bang on. Unless they play in the playoffs, it'll be like a, that kind of nice, you know, um, kind of thing. But uh, it's going to take a playoff series or two to really ratchet it up. And it's going to take a playoff series where they're they're on the same level, where it's not, you know, one team is the super favorite and the other team's like the really scrappy underdog. Um, like that's how I always felt like the Detroit Chicago rivalry has been for basically the last twenty years is that they were never they were never great at the same time. All the other rivals that Detroit has had recently, Anaheim, uh, Colorado. Dallas a little bit. It was all because they were they were they were there was a lot of animosity in those games, but it was also because they were they were very good. These were teams that stood in Detroit's way of winning Stanley Cups and were legitimate threats. Um, until until they do something, I think it's going to take a couple of years for Detroit to develop a true rival in the East. Um, Joseph said Boston. Boston is always going to have Montreal though. That's the problem. It's like. Yeah. That's always gonna, it's never going to get to that same level of intensity, I don't think. I think that the possibility does exist that they could develop a rivalry with Tampa. Tampa really doesn't have a rival because Florida sucks. And right. that would be their one true kind of natural rival. But, I, I mean, I could see Detroit and Tampa um, remaining good for a number of years and playing each other in the playoffs multiple times where they're, you know, and if, they, if those series go six, seven games all the time and they're really close, that's, I think, where you, where you get a, a rivalry there. So Tampa could be one. Montreal could be one a little bit. Florida, honestly, could be one because Florida's going to get better. And then um, Boston's going Boston's to suck in a few years anyway. So, I mean, I wouldn't even worry about them. And then who knows with Buffalo. I mean, they might get good, but I think they'll just be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not really finding it hard to to hate.
hate our division. Like, I understand, like, we don't really have rivalries with these teams yet. Um, I don't know if – and that's the thing is in the the parody hockey league, I'm not sure that the – the real like true slobber knocker rivalries that I that I love like the I, I'm not sure we're going to see a Detroit Colorado rivalry again because no it's so hard for for two teams to be that good for that long to get that that mm-hmm. going on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even like the the Chicago Vancouver rivalry had uh, you know that was a pretty blood boiling rivalry for a couple of these seasons and Vancouver fell apart and now and now it's it's nothing. So right. But like I I hate the Leafs because I hate their jerk off fans. Uh I hate the Bruins yeah, because I hate their jerk off players. I hate the Canadians because I hate their jerk off luck. I hate the Lightning because I hate their jerk off being better than us. I hate Florida for <laughs> all sorts of reasons. Um I hate Ottawa gets overlooked as as a hate as a hate team too, but yeah, I fucking hate Ottawa. Like so Chris Neil Johan and shit. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair to uh, to call call our division a uh, aside from us a bunch of shit goblin toilet feeders like I did in my outline. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think we'll always have the rivalry among fans. I mean, I'm I'm good at hating other teams. So oh, yeah. um, I'm never going to, to struggle with, with fun ways to, to dislike people who aren't right. fortunate enough to be the Red Wings. <laughs> that's that's right. just what yeah, I do. Yeah, for sure. Of course. <laughs> so um, now that we've covered that, uh, who's going to take over for Babcock? And don't say Is Dan Miles. Fucking... I will hang up my phone. Pizza <laughs> boy. I mean, could it literally be anybody but Blashill? That's a that's a goddamn disaster if it's not Blashill, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the only one that I would even remotely not break something if it happened would be Bielsa. And even then, I would still be pretty upset. I mean, yeah, there's no there's no reason not to give it to Blashill at this point. He's I mean he's no, like, he has he has earned it. So like I mean, unless he walks into the to the interview with Holland and just like just drops his pants and shits on the desk and then <laughs> rubs his finger in it a little bit and then walks out. Really why else wouldn't he get the job at that point? So I mean, he, knows, right. he knows all the players. He's 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 doing the same system that they play in Detroit for the most part in Grand Rapids, from what I know about that. Um, he's obviously having great success in Grand Rapids because they're, I mean, they're in the Western Conference Finals for the second or third time in the last three, four years. Certainly yeah, they've done really third, well. Certainly second time in the last three years. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's not even there's not a coach that's out there that I would think, you know, where I would think about Blash and go, yeah, but what about, uh, there's nobody. There's l- literally nobody left. Right. Yeah, I, I feel the same exact way, obviously. Um, I feel that we've gotten to the point as a team uh, with Das Duke, Zetterberg, and Cronwell. Those players don't need to be coached. Um, they can pretty much lead by example. That's pretty obvious. Um, but we've got a whole slew of young players who 
need a mind who knows them, uh, unlike Babcock. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe Blashill coming to Detroit suddenly makes Thomas Yurko a useful player. Uh, maybe Blashill coming to Detroit uh, makes a player like, I don't know, Xavier Roulette or Alexei Marchenko into a top four guy who can shut it down every night. Maybe Blashill coming to Detroit can stop Thomas Tatar from doing stupid fucking turnovers all, all, all over the place. I don't know. We don't know that, but at the point where he's at right now, he's coached all of these players before. He has coached them successfully. Uh, he has made them champions. And um, I just don't know anybody else. I, I Like, literally, I don't. Like, there, there's plenty of coaches out there, but there is not one who I who would get signed in Detroit tomorrow and me jump out of my seat. No, it would actually be me throwing my seat because it just, I mean, you got your Bilesma, your McLean, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, thank God the Blues uh, signed <laughs> Hitchcock for a year because that's wonderful news. Because for a second, I was like, oh, fuck, it's going to be Hitch- Hitchcock, isn't it? We're going to trade Cox. <laughs> and it's just, uh, uh, it, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I want to go. I want to go back a beat for a second and talk about because you hit on the what I feel that is the the very heart of the matter of why uh, Detroit fans are are okay with this this transition with like what's going to happen under Blasha with all these guys is that we get essentially thirty completely new player narratives um, that we mm-hmm. just. There's a lot of uncertainty about this team, and this is going to bring some certainty to it. Um, I mean, you said that uh, that Dotsuk and Zetterberg and, and Cromwell don't really need to be coached, and that's true. But uh, we've heard whispers for a few years and from a, a bunch of different people. And now nobody that's ever been like, like on Bob McKenzie's level, but there's been talk of maybe the the locker room isn't as as happy with Babcock because we know Babcock's not a player's coach, but we also know he no. is a respectable and a respectful being adult coach. So, but like just the just last week, uh, Chuck Plinus dropped that that little bit of snark about uh, Henrik Zetterberg's pending child that he says, you know, I can yeah. tell you one thing, he's going to name mm-hmm. the kid Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. What the fuck does that mean? I mean, I, uh, yeah, that was. There's a lot of you could. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. Zetterberg like hate that? Is are we expecting? Because that's the thing. I mean, I'm looking forward to see what Zetterberg does next year without Mike Babcock as the coach. Does he uh, refine his game? Does he flourish now that he's uh, out from under this coach he apparently hates? Which I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if if Datsu plays differently under Blashill. Um, I'm looking forward to see what what Yurko does. Um, there's basically right. literally every player on the team has a different coaching narrative under Blashill that I want to see what happens with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 as intrigued about what will happen uh, with the veterans as I am with the young players. I mean, we you know we're talking about well he'll use Yurko properly and he'll he knows Polkin and he'll get Polkin in in the right spots. And but it's like well what's he what's he going to do with Jonathan Erickson? Is Jonathan Erickson still going to be the number two defenseman? Is, I don't think so. Is DeKaiser Quincy going to remain a pairing? Should. That actually should remain a pairing. Is 
Jakob Kindle going to draw into the lineup and play regular minutes? Is he going to get an opportunity? Is Brendan Smith, if he's re-signed, is he going to get power play minutes? Like there's, there's so many questions about the the guys that have been with the Red Wings for a number of years that, that kind of need to be answered. Are Datsuk and Zetterberg going to be put together? Are they going to be split up? Are they going to play wing? That's actually something I wouldn't mind seeing next year. Right. Take some of the, I, I take a little bit of the load off is, you know what? Let them play. Let them be wingers. Let's yeah. let some of these young kids come up and be Datsuk's centerman or Zetterberg's centerman. And, yeah. you know, take some of the pressure off them because they're both way on the wrong side of 30 and declining. Right. So it's, it's really interesting. Is, is Nicholas Cronwall going to get a break? I mean, he's still the number one defenseman on the wings, but is he going to get a little bit of a rest? Kind of what they did with Lindstrom in his last couple of years where they, they kind of pulled back on his minutes a little bit. He still played all the important situations, but he wasn't playing 24, 25 minutes a night. He was playing 20 Right, you know, maybe twenty-one because hey, you're getting up there. So, which is funny to say, it lives from at forty-one is Cronwell at thirty-four, which just speaks to from how good he was. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 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 and that's the thing, and that's why it's exciting is because we don't know. So there's all this potential because we can that we get to think in our in our minds and project forward and think, oh yeah, he's totally going to take Jonathan Erickson off the top pairing because you know. Only Mike Babcock would put him there. So, right. Yeah. Well, well, that brings to mind a. Uh... Sorry, what, Joe? Dotsuk, Larkin, Zetterberg. <laughs> oh. oh man. <laughs> there uh, we unfortunately, go. Ken Holland. Ken Holland's still in charge, so Larkin will be not quite yeah. a Red Wing yet. We'll talk He's not about that. Um, no, wow. it brings to mind one of the uh, the questions that keeps coming up that came up a lot in in the post today, uh, where we open it up for questions is um, what exactly does Blashill do differently uh, with his systems than than Babcock did? Like we know, like oh, he plays the same system. Well, that's not exactly true. Um, yeah, you watch the Griffins, and the, they're not running the same uh, the exact same breakout. I mean, they have a a pretty similar in-zone uh, defensive scheme, which at times is is goddamn scary to watch. But um, yeah. their breakout and their their cycle in the offensive zone uh, don't really look like Detroit's. I mean, they look similar. Yeah. I mean, they do look similar, but it's not it's not the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely different. Um, and then there's no there's no lie about that. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you guys. I think starting to shift the the older guys, you know, our 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 aging core, you know, which we hung on so long for um, for a right reason. Um, I think uh, probably, you know, it's it's probably the best bet to just start pulling back on that and start maybe putting a player in the center who is better suited for it, like your Riley Shan. Um, and then, I mean, literally outside of that, I don't know. I mean, because we don't really have any other centers that are at the NHL level who are ready, level who are ready to do that. Um, 
So that kind of leaves a little bit of a, an, you know, a problem there. But um, I certainly think that that would be a good idea uh, to 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 look into um, whoever the coach ends up being, uh, which, I mean, at this point, it's pretty obvious who it's going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of things to be taken into consideration. Consideration. Jonathan Erickson should be a third pair defenseman, and I don't think that's even close. Like, I don't think he should play more than 20 minutes a game. I don't see it, and that's that. It's like you look at the stats, whether they're basic or fancy. And and then you look at the eye, you got the eye test, and it's just like this guy is not a top pair guy. I don't give a shit who says that he is. It is he isn't. Um, so uh, yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered uh, after the coaching thing has played out. Um, Joe, say something for Christ's sake. <laughs> Okay. Quit letting us quit letting us assholes talk so much. Ask them a question, Joe. Do you think that the Red Wings are going to hire Paul McLean? Paul McLean. Hmm. Well, forget where it was. I think it was in one of our. All right, your your time is up. I'm done with it. Okay. Anyway, stop this. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about uh, Blashill hiring an assistant coach with NHL experience. So, yeah, he'd probably if I were to take a betting pool, he'd probably the guy I'd put money on over anybody else, just because he's a former Red Wings assistant. He does have NHL head coaching experience. He's currently unemployed. Uh, seems like a fit. Do you think uh, Granado might actually get a look? Under Blashill, I don't I mean he seemed to do pretty so. good with Detroit, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't know if they have any history with each other. I don't think that they do. Like, I'm sure they know each other, but yeah, I just don't see it. Um, maybe Ken Holland tries to go, okay, this guy did a really, you know, crack up job with our penalty killing, but at the same time, Blashill could still go, well, in all the respect, this is my team. I'd like to form the coaching staff, and I, I'm sure Ken Holland would be like, that's fine, you go ahead and do your thing, I'll just give you my input. Um, but I wouldn't mind Granada returning. Um, I'm still a little bit bitter that Hiller isn't, because I really liked what Hiller did. Like, I thought he was fantastic. Um, but anyways, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, but Hiller controlled but the power play, right? He did. Mm-hmm. So is Hiller the one drawing up, put Tamo Polkinen in the middle slot? Probably. <laughs> if that's Hiller's decision, fuck Hiller. That's a bad decision. That's shit coaching. Yeah, that was a really bad decision. <laughs> Tamo Polkinen should have been. Yeah, Tamo well, Polkinen should have been ripping one. He should have been ripping one timers like every like two seconds, and he wasn't because he was getting murdered in the middle slot. Um, so yeah, that was a bad that was a bad system. Like it, it, they pretty much yeah. set him up to fail. That's where the Capitals put like Brooks like. They, yeah, they've exactly. got a power play that runs around OV shooting, like okay, let's run a power play around Polkinen shooting and you put just some big asshole in the middle just to make space. 
Um, yeah, and that's right. not, not David Volkman's game. No, I think you got to keep Granado if you're going to keep uh, Ferraro around. That's just mean. Because Ferraro... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Ferraro's dad is dating Granado's sister. Or married. I did yeah, Ray, Ray, Ray Ferraro and Cami Granado are married. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good situation. Okay. Anyways. Um, okay, I want to yeah, go Ferraro back to the, what Flasha does differently than Babcock because I actually do kind of have some answers. I wonder if you guys had any input on it. Um. What What would he do differently? You mean? Yeah, because here's like, here's one of the things he does the same. He the concept of having the big stay-at-home guy with a mobile defenseman uh, from yeah. the Red Wings down to the Griffins, the exact same. He's got Lashoff with Jensen. He's got Marchenko with shit. Marchenko's with Evans, right? I believe so. Either Marchenko's with Evans or he's with Page, and Woolett's with the yeah. other guy. Um, and that's the exact same setup. It's the the big physical guy for the net clear, and then the puck mover. Um, and it, it it works out. Like I, I don't mind that that concept. He does like to have uh, kind of a uh, a setup guy, a sniper, and a grinder on his forward line too. Um, but he's been like his lower lines are are a little bit more grindery, and he's 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 stacked more talent up top too. So that's a little bit different. Uh, I think the biggest difference, and the, the thing that I'm most looking forward to is uh, I think Blashtoff, uh jumps his D-man up in the play in the offensive zone more. And that's what I really want to see. Right. Like in the other – one of these games in the Western Conference Finals, the uh, uh, Brent Seabrook, like, jumped like, – he just walked into a slapper in the high slot that that's a play you, – you don't see a Detroit defenseman in that, in that spot, in that specific situation. We haven't seen that in four years um, because the defenseman mm-hmm. simply – they rarely ever jump, and they've got to be absolutely double sure that they're that they're covered by a forward. Um, we give up fewer odd man rushes for it, but I also think that it makes us, you know, it's it's kind of we play the the low event style, so right. we don't give up as many shot attempts. But as a result of creating a system that we don't give up as many shot attempts, we don't take as many either because we're not taking those risks in the high-reward areas. And I'm okay with taking more risks yeah. in the areas where it leads to rewards, especially as far as it comes to defensemen jumping into the play to create shot attempts. And I think Blashoff right. does that better than Babcock did, or more than Babcock did. Yeah, I agree. And I also – this is completely unrelated, but to me I feel really comfortable with a former goalie coaching this team because of the goalie controversy we've had. Um, I don't know if it really correlates with each other, but um, I know that a goalie knows how to coach a goalie. Um, And not saying that Babcock doesn't know anything about goalies, but I think that that might definitely help because obviously Mrazek was a fucking monster under Blashill. And Morazic was still pretty damn good under Babcock. Jimmy Howard was good under Babcock, but then had his shit the pants moment. Um, and uh, I just hope to God that that's my biggest thing is I hope that 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 brings out the I don't know the best in both of them for the better of the team. But anyway, um, 
we can we can dish on coaches in Blash Hill and changes for literally the next four hours. So let's just try to move along to a different topic here, which is the Grand Rapids Griffin, which is related. Um, they're currently in the Western Conference Finals, tied game, tied one to one with the Utica Comets. Um, uh, lost game one, uh, kind of a frustrating game. Uh, Tom McCollum kind of had a shit the fans moment in the first period where he let in two really bad goals and then uh, kind of, you know, locked it down, but the offense just couldn't flick for the rest of the game. And then game two happened, and uh, our Lord and Savior Dylan Larkin scored two goals in the first period, and uh, they won 4-2. to two. And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, things are looking a lot different for them. Um, so we all know the story. Dylan Larkin uh, drafted 15th overall last year, um, was committed to University of Michigan, had a great season as a freshman, played a shit ton of hockey this year. Uh, he played uh, University of Michigan all the way through, uh, you know, the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, he played in the World Juniors. He played in the World Championship. And, and now here he is playing in the AHL. The kid just wants to play hockey, and I respect that. Um, <clears throat> uh, he decommitted from the University of Michigan, signed his entry-level contract uh, with, with the Red Wings, uh, and he's a Red Wing now. He is our property um the NCAA can go fuck themselves with the with you know the rake end of a rake, um, and uh, you know do we feel like that's the appropriate move for him? Uh, is that is that a good thing for him to do as far as developing his game? I personally think that it is probably the best move for him, uh, considering that he could go into the NCAA again next season, dominate, kick some ass, and uh, I mean it would it pretty much would have been picking up where he left off. Um, whereas now it's a completely new challenge. He's playing with grown men. Uh, you know, he's competing for a roster spot with the Red Wings. And um, I think that's going to drive this kid hopefully to that next level um, and really just, uh, you know, add a true blue chip to the team. Uh, what about you guys? About mid-season, I was kind of on the Larkin back to Michigan bandwagon. And even before the World Championships, I was still thinking, uh, he's probably going to go back to Michigan because up until yeah. now, his only real options, if he signed his entry-level contract, would be Grand Rapids. And I'm thinking, well, it is a higher level of competition, but you're passing up on a university experience. You're going to be riding buses anyway. Might as well yeah. develop in the NCAA ranks there. You know, you're playing... You're playing against some kids, but you're also playing against a bunch of overages as well, a bunch of 22, 23, even some 24-year-olds. So not, right. Not exactly grown men, but it's also not the CHL. Yeah, I think that um, I was for a long time on the bandwagon of him returning to the NCAA, and then he played in the World Championship. While he didn't put up a ton of points, um, I think he played really well. Um and he showed that he can compete at the professional level. And uh, I think that showed him that as well. And after the uh, World Championships, I was like, yeah, he, uh, whatever way he decides to go, that's probably, uh, you know, I, I would probably prefer him to go pro sooner rather than later. And uh, he made the right decision, I think. Um, he's, uh, he's, been, he's made an impact for the Griffins in the two games that he's been here. Um, and uh, 
hopefully he makes other players better like he always has at every level he's played at. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Watching yesterday, Mantha looked a lot more noticeable than he has before. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a good thing not only for Larkin, but for 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 the other prospects too. Maybe they should, maybe he kind of lights that fire and uh, pulls the piano while playing the piano while also polishing mm-hmm. the piano and then you know. <laughs> Hiring other people to play the Is that a masturbation joke? Uh, it might be. I don't know. This had a late night like a, with Mingy and Motown. I think it was like go with a fabulous Baker Boys reference, like Michelle Pfeiffer singing on the piano. <laughs> I, it's a good thing I, Jeff's I mean, not here. He wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what? That's a movie? Um, <laughs> I, I think his his career trajectory was always going to lead him to the NHL one day. And, um, yeah. you know, you always want a kid to, to stay in school and get an education. And, um, I mean, advocators, he's go the reports are he's going back to finish his degree this summer, which is amazing. Um, yeah. he can always, he can always go back and finish his education. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, but uh, trying to start his professional hockey career, because I think it's, given what we've seen from him this year based on how he did at Michigan and then playing in the world championships. And then, I mean, it's only one game in Grand Rapids, but I mean, I mean, what a debut, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be, I think, I hope he is the exception to the, well, we have to have our prospects over ripen in Grand Rapids, you know, because that's the red wing way. I hope that if this kid in a year looks like he just does not belong in the AHL anymore, regardless of what his waiver options are or anything like that, that they, that they bring him up and start his NHL career and just, you know, get him going. Because I think that's part of what the wings need to, to do going forward is bring up younger players earlier and keep them while they're still cheap and are contributing. Um, but I, I think it's funny, if you think about where we were probably, a, I mean, a little less than a year ago, heading into training camp, and it was Mantha mania. Like, we were yeah. talking about Mantha and how great he was going to be, and we were so excited. And then he broke his leg. And that just, I mean, that just was a waterfall on the on the fire that we had for that kid. And then he struggled. And, I, you know, I saw some people, uh, I, I've seen opinions range from he's Harry, you know he's Harry, a giant Harry. he's a giant bust to oh well you know he's he's coming back from a broken leg. I'm sure the answer is probably somewhere in between. I don't think he's a bust because he hasn't done anything yet, but um he, he broke his leg. Like he had a, a very serious injury and he was playing against men for the very first time in his life. Uh right. I don't know what the expectations were for him because the people forget he wasn't a number one or two overall pick, but I feel like the same thing is happening now with Larkin, but Larkin is not, there's, there's more evidence to support the hype around him, at least so far. He was was phenomenal at Michigan. He is 18 years old playing in the world championships. And yes, the world championships are the NIT of hockey tournaments. Um, But he, 
and he belonged out there against NHL players. And then, right. you know, like I say, in one game against in the in the playoffs, he scores two goals. Regardless of how you feel, that's that's incredible in the Western Conference Finals to do that. For sure, so, yeah. It's a um, high amount of stress. Yeah, it's, it's strong. It's, it's strong exciting. It's the, it's the comparison, and I look at it this way, it's the comparisons to Caves, which ultimately it means the comparison to Eisenhower, because that's who Caves is always compared to. If they come to fruition, then the idea that he could make Mantha better, maybe he will. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Larkin Mantha becomes the next Dastic Zetterberg, Tatar Nyquist, Iserman Fedorov duo that the Wings right. have always kind of had as those as those forwards. You know, who knows? But no, yeah. it's exciting. I, I'm I'm happy he's he's getting a shot, and I'm happy that they were able to do it without burning a year of his entry level contract. And you know, people always forget. I mean, Mantha going back to Mantha, and you know, the whole ruckus of him being a disappointment. He had. What did he have? 33 points this year as a rookie, 15 goals, 18 assists. Um, and that's looked at as a guy coming off of a 120-point season in the QMJHL, albeit probably one of the worst leagues in the entire world to play in because it's like like a football game every fucking, every fucking night. Um, uh, I mean, he had 15 goals, 18 assists in his, in his rookie season. Thomas Tatar in his rookie season, 16 goals, 16 assists. Thomas Yurko in his rookie season, uh, 14 goals, 14 assists. So I don't know why. I mean, I get why he's, everybody's or people are calling him a bust because of what he was producing, but I don't think anybody really understands just how terrible DHL hockey actually is. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not going to call the guy a bust at all. I think he's still going to be that – I, I don't think he's going to be a prolific goal scorer at the NHL level. I think he has a, a ceiling of like what Yvonne Franson had, you know, a, a streaky goal scorer who, you know, can play the power forward. Um, and then as far as Larkin goes, he's always compared to Tave. Um, and I see it, like, it, it translates. I see it in his game. He plays fast. He plays smart. Um, he makes everybody better around him. Um, and, uh, like you were saying, I think the Red Wings have done a really good job at making sure that those contracts don't, you know, they, they slid Mantha's contract. So he technically, right, his contract doesn't start until next season, basically. And that's how it's going to be with Larkin, too. So they really did that, like, in the most perfect of ways. Um, and uh, I couldn't be happier with it. And I think they're going to, you know, obviously Larkin, he's going to push for a spot. I don't think he's going to make the team. I don't think he's going to play in the NHL right off the bat next year. Um, I don't know if he even sees a game next year. Maybe he does, but it, it all depends. Um, and that's the great thing about Larkin coming over from the NCAA. He can now participate in the prospect tournament and main camp because NCAA players can't by, by NCAA rule and regulation uh, because the NCAA is bullshit and not uh, – uh, participate in, like, the main camp with the, you know, they can go to prospect development camp, but they can't go to the main camp where all the NHL players are. Um, so I think this is great. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, Mantha's going to be healthy for main camp because he wasn't this year. Um, I think uh, I think the Red Wings are in a good good situation overall. 
Um, so that brings us to the, uh, I guess, the next uh, topic. Have there been any, any other players? I know a lot of us haven't been able to watch the AHL playoffs because it's kind of difficult to watch. Um, have there been any other players who have really stood out? For me, the obvious ones are uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler motherfucking Bertuzzi. Um, <laughs> just the absolute shit tech that he is who can just, I don't know, score. Um, he's done a hell of a job with the team. And uh, um, I think, you know, obviously, uh, you can obviously say Team Polkinen, but we all know that Timo Polkinen is playing in a league that is well below him at this point. So, obviously, he's going to do his thing. Um, but, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, that entire trade, that, that that brought Bertuzzi and Mantha here is turning out to be one of Ken Holland's best, I think, um, in terms of drafts. He's been absolutely fantastic for the Griffins so far. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, here's the whole thing about prospects, because uh, you moved over before talking to me on that. I I've what? only been following. I've only been paying attention to prospects uh, for the Red Wings for the last few years. Like I I don't right. really know that I'm an, an expert on the process of of bringing them up. But uh, like Graham said, you know you want to bring them up uh, a little bit younger. I think that they have shown like with Yurko, who was waiver exempt all season long, and he stayed with the team uh, because literally he didn't have. Really, there wasn't anything left to to learn at the AHL level for him. Um, they wanted him getting used to the NHL stuff. Um, and it got to the point where we were actually like, "Does he need to go down and get his confidence back?" But it wasn't. Does he need to keep developing? Um, so I think that that does show an indication that there's a, a decent chance that Larkin uh, is going to have a real chance to make the team out of out of camp next year. Because, like I said, I don't know much about prospects or what a prospect is supposed to look like, but I know that mm-hmm. watching Dylan Larkin, he looks mature. Like He looks like he belongs at every level of competition I've seen him play at. Um, he doesn't look, he, he doesn't like shit get to him. He's not pivoting his head around like looking at where he should be. He's got a sense of knowing where he ought to be at all times. And I think that really the only thing he needs to work on is the timing of uh, how much faster the game gets and getting his size going. And I think that he's smart enough that um, he can grow into the size consideration while still using the body at the the big league level. And I I wouldn't have a problem bringing him up. Uh, Comparing Larkin and Mantha, um, I think Larkin is mature. I think Larkin has hockey smarts. I think Mantha has hockey cleverness. Like, it's it's not really hockey smarts. Um, But he makes a lot of, like, clever plays. Um, I think people, you know, want to see him racing all over the ice, but that's that's not his game. And I think if he does like really race all over the ice, it's just going to be manic penalty fest. Um, yeah. And Tyler Bertuzzi is is kind of somewhere in between there. Like he knows how to run all over the ice without taking a bunch of penalties, um, and he also has a really good sense of where he needs to be. And uh, honestly, ever since Michelle posted those videos of him in camp on the tip drill and noticing him in games, uh, he's the best net front uh, tip artist since Holmstrom. That 
that kid's got a talent at that. Um, and I don't think any of his goals yeah. so far have been on that, but um, that's something we haven't really seen. Like, he he just gets it. He gets the game. He's got seven goals in these playoffs. Um, and he's the kind of guy who pisses off other teams and then can score goals against them. So uh, I'm real high on, on Mantha and, and Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and that's not even mentioning Polkinen, who – absolutely belongs at the NHL level. So right. I'm high on the prospects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's different now because, I mean, they're, the days of the Wings basically stacking three lines of, of veterans and uh, and superstars, and then you just kind of you bring the prospects up to play fourth-line minutes and just learn how to be Red Wings. Those days are long over. So, uh, For sure. The prospects and, – and, you know – Full credit to Ken Holland and the front office staff for actually recognizing this several years ago. I mean, this isn't something that they just discovered in the last year or two. They've been building up a prospect pool now for five or six years, ever really since 08, um, mm-hmm. where they've been restocking the Griffins because they, they, you know, they were consistently trading away first-round draft picks and you know, kind of fringe prospects. Um, in order to gain pieces to win Stanley Cups. And then I think as the team got older and they kind of recognized that the window was starting to close, they held on to that. And I know some people think that maybe they overvalue the prospects um, or undervalue who they're trading for. But, you know, at the end of the day, right now, the Wings have one of the stronger farm systems out of the entire NHL. And they're doing it without earning first, second, third overall picks. So uh, Mantha, Bertuzzi is a classic example of that. Bertuzzi was a trade that was made on draft day where he traded down two spots so he could get Mantha, which is the one player he actually wanted, and then picked up the pick that turned into Bertuzzi, who's having just you know an incredible run in the postseason. So mm-hmm. making those kinds of trades is is still a good Ken Holland is still good at that, and then he relies on on his um, his scouting staff to be able to kind of pick those guys that um, that are going to fit in to the Red Wings system. Right, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, uh, I agree. And uh, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other prospects who are like that too. But that that, that trend, Akita to you is also another one who I think is going to be really good. But I, you know, we can dish about that for however long. But we got a limited amount of time here, so that brings us to the next topic, which is pretty much going to be only me talking really quick about it. Is the draft um, coming up here in about a month? I'll be there. I'll be running around talking to 17 year olds about hockey. I guess. Um, uh, and the, 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 basically, the Red Wings have a position of need, and that's obvious defense. Um, I think that Ken Holland is going to take the best player available, whether it's a defenseman or or, or a, uh, a forward. Um, he said to me at the in, during the Marlies uh, series when I got to interview him that all he really told me is like, I don't think we're going to take a goalie. Well, no shit, you're not going to take a goalie in the first round. That's always a bad idea. Uh, Anyways, uh, I think that, just to be real quick here, Ken Holland is probably going to take that 19th overall pick and trade it down to get a later first-round pick. And then that second-round pick that they lost in the Eric Folger deal um, 
and they'll probably look to get a uh, a defenseman and another center um, or just a really flashy winger like uh, Jeremy Bracco. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the plan. Is, uh, don't be surprised if the Detroit Red Wings take a defenseman in the first round. There's a shit ton of good prospects in this in this draft, probably more than we better than we've seen since the Sidney Crosby draft. So, um, yeah, just expect that. So moving along, um, we have a lot of free agents coming up. Obviously, Nyquist, uh, DeKaiser, um, uh, Ferraro, uh, and Yurko, Polkinen. Obviously, these guys are all going to get deals, uh, and they're going to be a part of the plan. But one guy who I am kind of not really sure what the hell is going to happen with him, Brendan Smith. Guys, do we see that Brendan Smith having a future here? I mean, he's been a complete swing and a miss. He's put up as many points in the last two seasons as Jakob Kindle, um, and he just isn't doing it, even in a sheltered role. What's going to happen to Brendan Smith? Well, I mean, it's the it's the back to the Jeff Blashill, you know, situation is what whoever becomes the new coach, what is he going to think of Brendan Smith? And then he'll get I mean he'll get qualified. There's no question about that. Um, I personally think he's going to get re-signed, and I think that um, I I don't know what I'm basing this off off of more than just a hunch, but I feel like Smith is going to get more responsibility under the new coach, at least to start, because he's at the, he's at the point in his career now, he's been in the NHL for a few years, um, he, he was a number one overall pick. He should, at this point, either live up to his billing as that first-round draft pick uh, or be forever known as a bust. Yeah. So, you know, I think if I was Holland, I'd give him a two-year bridge deal, essentially, um, and just basically say, show us what you got or, you know, or you're done, pretty much. Yeah, the thing with right. with Brendan Smith and, and saying that he's he's a bust and he's done for and all that – um, I mean, there's a lot of good arguments for that, but you think back to the the prospects discussion we just had when we were well, who were we talking about? Larkin, Mantha, Polkinen, Athanasiu, Tyler Bertuzzi. <laughs> we're not talking about defensemen. Nick Jensen's a good yeah. prospect. Uh, Marchenko and Willette are NHL ready, but how here, ready are they? Are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. The easy fan answer is, oh, they're better than Brendan Smith. But do we know that? Um, I, I think we've got a good hint at it. But our defense needs a lot a lot of work, and I don't know where that work is coming from. I, I think that we're not really looking at getting uh, the big number one D-man to, to plug the holes and that we're going to have yeah. to go with a um, – we we've got to give guy as many guys an opportunity to grab these chances as as we can to see which one of them sticks because uh, shit's not working. So mm-hmm. I I agree with Graham. Yeah. I think that he's going to get like a, a two year bridge deal to to put up or shut up. Um, yeah. And then that that's going to be yeah. that. But 
And the obvious thing was, this, this is a quick one to cover, uh, the unrestricted free agent market um, is something I think the Detroit Red Wings should just completely steer clear of this year. Don't even try to talk to Mike Green. Don't try to talk to anybody else. I don't see anybody who is going to, I mean, they'll help now, but, I mean, realistically, you're going to sign Mike Green to a, you're going to pay him 6 to $7 million a year, um, maybe a little bit less, maybe whatever, but I just don't see it as worth it. Um, I think they should just be clear of it and just stay the path of the, the youth and seeing what they have and then waiting it out. And uh, I, I just don't think free agent signings are going to be anything the Red Wings should worry about right now. Unrestricted free agents, I mean, of course. Um, Joe, what do you think? I think Smith's I'm 99% sure Smith's going to get resigned, mostly because he's not going to warrant much of a raise, if any, so it'll be cheap. And if he does get signed to that bridge yeah. deal, then you plug a roster hole. He's not... It's... It, Worst case scenario, it's a stopgap to a better solution down the road. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. I don't think, yeah, he's going to be cheap, and uh, that's it. We're not going to be paying him $5 million a year to uh, sit in the fucking press box. Um, so that's a, that's good. Um, so we pretty much covered the, the free agencies. I, I don't think they should go after any free agents. Does anybody else differ in opinion there? What if uh, Jeff Petrie can't get a deal with Montreal done? Okay, yeah, fine. That would be nice, but... Um, I mean, how nice would it be? Like He's uh, Strawman Light, right? Like, Strawman Light Light? Yeah, I mean, it would I be don't know. cool. Montreal have Sam says that he played that, pretty well, but I think he's going to get overpaid. He is going to get overpaid. He's going to get 4 to $5 million a year, and, I mean... If you're paying a defenseman that much, you want, I, I think, personal. I mean, think about it. Cronwall gets paid under $5 million right now. Granted, his contract was kind of structured to be more affordable. But, um, I mean, you're going to pay Jeff Petrie that much money to, what, pay, play? I mean, do you, do you feel comfortable with Jeff Petrie as a top-pairing defenseman, like a number two guy? Because I don't know if I feel like that. Well, Cornwall's contract was also signed a long time ago, so right, it had a that's different, it had different effect on the cap than when Jeff Petrie's hypothetical contract with Detroit would be would have if you were to sign with us this off season. I think you give him Cornwall money with not too much term. I would definitely be and so long as he produced from the spot. I would definitely be okay with giving him a second pair of role. Right. But the thing is, is that with these free agents, they're going to demand term. And if you're not going to give them the term, some other fuck wagon team is going to give them that term. So that's the thing. Detroit can't go out and they can't put six years on Jeff Petrie for $5 million a year and um, really uh, invest much in the youth because they already have a log jam at defense and they need to figure out what they're going to do with players like Ryan Sproul, Nick Jensen, Alexi Marcheco, Xavier uh, uh, uh what's his name, Joe Hickett, uh, who, you know, isn't going to be in the AHL next year. But anyway, um, you just need to start thinking progressively. You need to think ahead, not so much of, well, we could find Jeff Petrie this year, but 
we still have players like Brendan Smith and Jakob Kindle who we don't even know if they're going to be playing. Like, we don't know if they're re- they're going to be good enough. And then you also have to make room for Alexi Marchenko and Xavier Ulet, who are ready for the NHL and should probably have been playing all year this year. So, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's a sticky situation. I like Jeff Petrie. I think he it, it fits the narrative perfectly with his father being a former Detroit Tigers pitcher. He's from Ann Arbor. Um, it would make a lot of sense, but at, in the same time, it's like, all right, I don't know. I mean, you're good, but... They, they, well, I think the bottom so line is that the Red Wings... Go ahead, Graham. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, there's, there's moves that they need to make uh, ahead of time before they can even consider bringing in any unrestricted free agents, not just Petrie. I mean, they've, right. They have too many NHL defensemen, and by NHL defensemen, I mean under contract. Um, yeah. So trades would have to happen before they could even entertain the thought, the notion of going after Mike Green or Petrie. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't yeah. if that were to happen, like, I think that would happen at the draft. Which is where yeah, we're I'm looking forward to see what happens. Because the bottom line is that the Red Wings are not good enough to compete with their defense playing like they did last year. It was an absolute weakness on the team, and it wasn't just—it wasn't necessarily that they were like awful turnover machine shit heels. It was just like they were just there most of the game. Even the fact that the Red Wings were a pretty good defensive team who played a low event style. Um, in general, from the eye test, uh, you feel like that's that's more on the way the forwards did than than the defense. <laughs> the defense actually uh, made what was what would have been a better shot suppression team, um, maybe not as as good at that. So something has to change for the Red Wings defense if they're going to get better. Um, bringing in an outside guy, uh, bring uh, Mike Green is. He's a marginal improvement. Uh, he's a potential huge improvement. Uh, he's also a potential uh, stagnation. I mean, it's, it's a big risk for that kind of dollars, especially with how many prospects we have in the system. Basically, you just have to hope that the Red Wings doing something differently is going to get different results. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah, we we just have to we have to find out. Uh, we can't. I mean, we have to see if is Blashill going to have Jonathan Erickson on the top pair, or is he actually going to move him down and say, you know what, kids, step up. Um, here's ten games on the on the top pair. You're going to play tough competition, and if you can't hack it, fuck off. We're going to hand it to somebody else. Um, you can go you can go play on the third pair, or you can go back to Grand Rapids or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah. we have the point where we have so many prospects that we have to. We are on a decision point with them almost immediately. And it, they're not going to be good enough. We kind of have to move them before the rest of the league gets gets word that they're not good enough, too. Because <laughs> that's what I'm much. also. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tired of, of finding out that our prospects aren't as good as we thought they were. Uh, at the same time that the entire league finds that out, because by then, t- by that time, nobody fucking wants them. They tried moving Kindle for a year and a half, and nobody nobody wanted him. We couldn't give the guy away. Um, does that happen three years ago when he's still? Uh, a just learning prospect, like teams move all the freaking time. I I don't know, but it didn't work. So try something else. Right. So moving on to the next, we'll we'll get we'll roll through these two last things real quick. Next year, Jimmy Howard or Peter Maravich, you guys. 
or as a yeah, and Howard I'm away in training camp, uh, probably literally. Then yeah, Mrazek. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think the. I mean, I still believe in Jimmy, but I don't know, man. It's just that that new hotness, that that risky goaltending that he does and does it so well. That kid's got it, and um, I like him a lot, and I wouldn't mind it. So. Whatever, yes, Mrazic, Mrazic for for sure. Um, and then uh, another one is uh, another player who uh, is practically useless at this point. Stephen Weiss. What what? Well, I mean, probably one of the worst signings in Holland's tenure here. Uh, that's debatable, obviously. Um, Darian what do you, what, was how do? How, yeah, well, whatever. But what do you what do you do? How do you get rid of this guy? Obviously, trading him is going to be tough because he's useless. Teams are smart nowadays, uh, smarter than they used to be, at least. Um, buying him out isn't the sexiest option because of how much it's going to cost you. What do you do uh, with this guy who... Well, it's not that much, but it's still money that... It's basically still going to be like a a phantom cap hit, and it's just it's going to suck. Um what is, uh, I mean, I don't know. The guy pretty much admitted that he has, he's not contributing anything to the team. Um, I mean, at that point, it's just like, okay, well, deuces, dude. I don't, like, if you aren't confident in yourself and you're getting paid that much money, then you're, you're as good as gone. So I think, in my opinion, Ken Holland is probably going to try and, uh, try and, Get rid, get him out of town as soon as possible. I just don't know how he's going to do it. Um, and I could be wrong. Maybe they fucking try and give him another role. And he's, I mean, there was at one point this season where he was playing pretty damn good at hockey, and then he just kind of slouched back down and started playing like shit again. And this time he didn't have a an injury to to play about. So what's it gonna be? There's not a non-suck option with Stephen Weiss. I mean, you buy him out and you take uh, cap hits for the next six years that are that are between like 1.6 and 2.7 million, which isn't that big a deal. Um, you try to trade him and you end up basically making a negative value trade because you have to trade him and something else to get people to even take that on. Um, you can waive him and put him in the AHL and eat all, like basically almost all of his cap hit uh, yeah, for no good reason. Um, you can try to go after him in court for lying about his health, but that's that's honestly that is not going to work. That's the dumbest fucking idea um, because you, you literally you cannot win. Even if you win a a, a complaint case that Stephen Weiss somehow lied about being uh, hurt when he signed the contract. Uh, you lose in the court of public opinion, and so that's mm-hmm. it's just a. Or I mean, you just give him another chance, but I, I, I don't care. I would just as soon buy him out. Um, I'm not interested in taking a negative value trade for him. If we can find one of those uh, similar to the Horton Clarkson deal, where it's yeah. uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, f- trade him off, but I I am perfectly content with just saying. 
we got to cut our losses. This guy was a total bust from the signing. Um, fuck it. Move on. Um, I guess my only argument there is that however much money you're paying him to not play is basically two or three prospects worth of cap it that could go on your roster. Yeah, you couldn't fit him on there with roster space anyway. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Fuck your you. 23 men take up whatever cap space they take up, so that's... Yeah, yeah, I know. You get Dylan I, Larkin I, I, I guess... and his entry-level deal, and uh, it it's fine. Did they release the terms on that, by the way? Was it, did, they, did he get a maximum, probably? No, they haven't released it. No, I don't know what yeah. the terms are. I mean, it's it's capped at, what, 2.875 is the absolute maximum. I know that 925000 is still the, the level one salary, but I don't remember the bonus max anymore. So it's probably pretty pretty fair to assume that he probably got around 900 k a year. Um yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, if they pulled him from the NCAA, I'm sure they had to load him up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that pretty much covers all of the Red Wings content. Did anybody else have anything else? No, uh, just for to kind of go. So, general manager is the new, the new Yak Inc. I guess it's got Larkin listed at nine hundred and twenty-five thousand. Okay. So. I think they, they might just be guessing there, but maybe they have a source. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Um, you just you never know. But uh, that that's what they do have in that. So, kind of wait and see. Okay. Interesting. JJ, Joe, got anything else you'd like to add? Uh, hot dogs are not sandwiches. Okay. Well, I, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so I guess let's just close it off uh, tonight. I pretty we pretty much filled up our time, hey. Yeah, we went a little over. We're fine. Okay, who is our Stanley Cup uh, champion uh, prediction? Uh, I'm sticking with Tampa because I picked Tampa in the bracket, and it'll mean I win. I got, I got the Ducks. Yeah, Ducks. Big Joe. Joe, you got. Anaheim. All right. Fuck, fuck all you guys. Tampa's going to win. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Hey, I originally I got an article. Losing in the cup final, so. I got an article coming in the next week. It's <laughs> actually going to be about why I'm okay with the Ducks winning the cup. Uh, so prepare your barf bags. Ugh. I know, yeah. Makes me sick of <laughs> even okay. saying it, but I'm going to write a whole article about it. That's okay. Just make sure it's short. Too long didn't read. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Be right a short All right. article. Well, uh, whatever. Okay, thank you. Anyway, um, all right. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode of Wim Radio. Um, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, uh, probably hopefully sometime after the draft, so we can dish up on uh, our new toys um, and then uh, get geared up for free agent frenzy. Yeah, it's gonna be such a friendly right. this year. <laughs> Whatever. You guys are assholes. I don't care who doesn't know it. You guys are assholes. Hey, good job hosting, Kyle. Yep. Thank you.
Mm-hmm. First time. You did good. Yeah. Thank you. It sucked and, way uh, less than I expected. Clo- <laughs> <laughs> to close off the show, let's go ahead and quote JJ uh, from one of his recent articles about Babcock leaving. It's been fun. It's been not fun. But at the end of the day, you chose a different team. So get fucked, Leafs coach. Smooches. <laughs> that was great. That was really great. A well. Winging it.